The basketball team is planning a party. A slumber party. The party begins at 8 o'clock. Love it, too. You think I'm getting better? <laughs> but be on the lookout for an uninvited guest. Please, please. When the pizza arrives, things really start jumping. Some people may have to leave early. But others will hang around and hang around. Pizza? I feel better already. Really, I do. But for those who stay, there'll be plenty of surprises. <laughs> and non-stop action. sure no one's getting any sleep the night of the slumber party massacre close your eyes for a second and sleep forever hello everyone hello hi hi and welcome to <laughs> definitely first blood episode 10 it's an important it's a milestone, I it guess. It is. It is. Is it, though? Yeah, it is, because it means we've spent 10 consecutive weeks talking about horror movies from the 70s, <laughs> the 80s, 80s the, the 90s, 90s, and today. Yeah, man. Whoa. Mm-hmm. How about that? Consistency. I'm usually not very consistent. Me neither. I'm consistently inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. So this is quite the shocker. Speaking of shockers, um, have you ever been massacred at a slumber party before? (laughs) (laughs) To death? I mean, massacred? (laughs) Yep, that's right. Today we are going to eventually talk about uh, a favorite film of ours. The Slumber Party Massacre. But I need to hear the goose update of Uh, the week. The goose update. Okay. (laughs) specifically today <laughs> where where are you in the goose at um so the it, we've been inconsistent over the past few days it's been raining he there was did i talk about the piece of pizza that he was inspecting the last episode i'm not sure yeah he was off to the side not interested in me because he had found a piece of pizza on the ground um and mm-hmm. And then it was rainy for a couple of days, so I didn't really want to throw oats on the ground and have them puff up into be like a big mess. Okay. Because usually he just eats all of them very quickly. <laughs> uh, even though there's no other geese around, but he's very like fastidious about it. There's like I'm easily throwing 300 of these tiny things at a time, and he's picking up each one. I'm impressed by his dedication. This is a very complex relationship you have with this goose. It is. So in the morning, he was not there at all. He had left his lady on her own 
on the nest. Oh no. Nowhere in sight. I couldn't see him. Um, but I was like, you know what? I I have no idea what geese need to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, whatever. I didn't try to go near his lady just because I wanted to be respectful and not be injured. Okay. Uh, and then on Reasonable. yeah on the way home, uh, he was there, and I threw a big thing of seed, and he was loving it. So excellent. Yeah. It sounds like you two are really starting to hit it off. I hope so. I sent. I actually sent uh, Christopher a picture not too long ago of when he got up close. Yeah, he uh, the male goose walked right up close to me. And not for aggressive reasons. Anyway. But enough about the geese. Uh, Let me take a gander. Huh? 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 At your show notes. What what are you going (laughs) to teach me about today for this this movie, The Slumber Party Massacre? Okay. Well, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) So, The Slumber Party Massacre was written by feminist author and activist Rita Mae Brown. And I guess she's best known for her book, The Ruby Fruit Jungle, which is notable mm. because it's an early example of a lesbian novel. Ooh. Yeah. So I guess a lot of lesbians ended up finding it was like a reflection of their own lives and enjoying it. I guess it was originally titled Sleepless Nights, the movie or the lesbian novel? Uh, the movie. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yes. So it was written by Rita Mae Brown mm-hmm. as a parody or like a satire of the slasher film genre. And it's a pretty good one. Yes. But it ended up just being taken and repurposed and shot as a straightforward I would say there's some self-awareness movie. in it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because they didn't really change the script very yeah. much, I don't think. Yeah. The scripts eventually ended up in the hands of an upcoming director named Amy Holden. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Amy Holden Jones. It's a, it's like a assassin's name. Like Lee Harvey Oswald or John Wilkes Booth. When, no offense. <laughs> when she was 20, she released a student film called A Weekend Home and it ended up winning first place in the American Film Institute National Student Festival. Which is pretty prestigious. And one of the judges was Martin Scorsese. Even more prestigious. So he loved her student film and came to her and she ended up being his assistant for Taxi Driver. Wow. What an honor. I mean, I guess retroactively, you probably don't know it at the time, but... (laughs) (laughs) It was around this time that she ended up meeting Roger Corman, famous producer, Mm -hmm. sort of like the schlockmeister, if you will. Yeah. And he, at this time, was really jump-starting the careers of a lot of male directors, like Jonathan Demme... Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, Mm -hmm. and even James Cameron. Wow. Yes. So 
1976 and 1981, she edited three movies for Roger Corman. Of the scripts she ended up being given, she chose The Slumber Party Massacre, which at this time, previously Sleepless Nights, Mm -hmm. now it's called Don't Open the Door. (laughs) I love these temp names. They're so good. It's like they picked them out of a hat. This whole series actually has a bunch of very interesting working titles. Oh, good. Yeah. I look forward to learning more about them later. <laughs> so to sell herself for the directing gig, she recorded a $1,000 film, basically, of the first three scenes of the movie. Nice. And she even got to borrow the soundtrack from The Howling from joe dante directors helping directors it must have been good because roger corman agreed to finance the film after watching it and it's interesting because at this time amy holden jones was supposed to edit steven spielberg's et so she had to make a choice between following the directing path that she wanted to go down or if she wanted to edit another film that was probably going to be much more financially successful and obviously she ended up going with the directing yeah live her dream the shooting began in the summer of 1981 Mm -hmm. it was only one month of pre-production wow that doesn't seem like a lot amy holden jones did say that she rewrote some of it but it's not really clear yeah it really isn't there's no jarring tonal shifts so she wanted to keep the essence of it as a slasher movie and a comedy movie i guess she was a little bit uncomfortable about asking the girls to get naked yeah but it was actually an expectation of a roger corman production that there is nudity (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So they ended up shooting it over three weeks. And after it was done filming, they had a preview. uh, They had a preview at a Hollywood Boulevard. A Hollywood Boulevard (laughs) theater. Uh, So she said that the audience, quote unquote, went ape. Yeah. (laughs) Went ape. (laughs) They were screaming and laughing. They loved it. So she went out into the lobby and Roger Corman was listening and she said, my God, Roger, what did we do here? (laughs) And he said, you've just had the best preview in new world history. (laughs) That's pretty auspicious. It is. Tapping into the interests of the collective unconscious. Yeah. So it went viral. <laughs> As you will. Hashtag Octothor. I think it did really well at the box office as well. I well, in terms of recouping it. Oh yeah. I cost, would imagine so. so. They filmed in a month. Yeah. On a hope and a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess are we ready to begin our Watch party. Discussion of the movie. Yeah. Shall yeah, we begin the sounds movie? Sounds good to me. 
So our movie opens on classic, awesome, 80s, bloody slasher font. Yes. Very stylish. Mm -hmm. Uh, The California locale in full display as we get to see the California craftsman that actually still stands today, according to Google Maps. Yeah, we looked at it earlier, and I was shocked because down the street, there's this hideous new 80s monstrosity yeah some pretty crazy buildings popped up around it but boy trish and valerie's houses Mm -hmm. are pretty much untouched yeah it's amazing and hats oh hey the owners of that those houses if you're listening first of all thank you but also (laughs) good on you my seal of approval the newspaper delivery boy delivers a newspaper that says Russ Thorne escapes. Yeah, serial killer of five. Or was it serial killer? Was it uh, mass murderer? Which it, sounds worse mass to murderer. me. So he killed <clears throat> five people at once, basically. Yes. In a, ma- in a massive fashion. And then underneath that it says... Like Bundy in the sorority house. Yeah. GOP extends social security cuts. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty good. Uh, And from there we shift to uh, Valerie? Trish. Trish. Trish is a room. I'm really bad with names and even worse with faces. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle Michaels. Yeah. She is waking up and getting ready for the day while listening to the radio. Yeah. She's cleaning up her room. Very uh, coming-of-age symbolism here. She's discarding childish things. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Most of them. She brings them out. She throws them on the curb. Yeah, in the, in the trash. If this was a brave little toaster... Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, man. My heart goes out to these toys that could have been donated... I also want to throw this out there, but I'm having crazy allergies, and these antihistamines are kicking my butt. So excuse the more nasal than normal voice and the wavering energy levels. I'm doing my best. Uh, Trish goes outside, and she wants to say goodbye to her parents, who are already late for a flight. Never a good feeling. Her dad is not having a good time at all (laughs) she's pretty stoked to be left alone but Mm -hmm. unfortunately for her her mother has hooked up the neighbor mr constat mr constat what did i have i had mr kleinfelter down that's what i said (laughs) so mr mr constat uh he'll be watching over the girls uh for her parents and trish's (laughs) content no you're right you are definitely right no you're right i misheard it because i never hear i have it written down two separate ways it's fine the mystery continues it deepens uh they make sure that you know that she has put this barbie doll out to the garbage mm -hmm. because a hand reaches in a muscular tanned hand tears it from the garbage like like squeezes it's it very like, ominous. Oh, and then this is of course when yeah. the uh, horny horny teen boys come into play. Like 
high school yeah yeah high school. it's very one note oh definitely but it's intentional i guess they're they're intensely hitting on this uh telephone line woman who looks like she's out of like that 1984 apple commercial except with more color and I would say, like, this scene sort of really introduces the primary color color scheme that seems to be prevalent throughout the rest of the movie. So, like, two of them are in blue. Uh, one of our uh, erstwhile lover boys is wearing a very smart striped polo in yellow and blue and red. Uh, but they fail to score with our lines well, woman. this despite everything yeah they don't manage despite all of their sexual harassment well (laughs) they make quite the the argument when he says you know what they say about younger men try it you might like it (laughs) you could say that about anything though hi uh my name's jeff can i help you with that sure thanks you know, I've been having some ringing in my um, ear, I mean, in my phone, and I thought maybe a phone woman could help me. Uh, are all phone women this pretty? I wouldn't know. Would you ever consider dating a younger man? I mean, you know what they say about younger men. Try it, you'll like it. I hadn't really thought about it. Well, my number's out of board. Your number is zero. And then she gets pulled into the back of the van and killed. By Russ Thorne, presumably. Yeah, her own van, no less. And he kills her. Do we see the the drill? Is this our introduction? Yes. I think we definitely hear it. I think we're assuming because she is a telephone repair woman, this is where he's getting the drill. Yeah, and she tries to pound on the back of the window for help. But they're just walking yeah. away. Yep. Uh, completely oblivious to violence against women. <gasps> Cut to the girls' basketball game. More of this primary color scheme. We've got yellow shorts, completely blue outfits, and our intense coach who, like, focuses on each player individually. Yes. She's super into the game. She's got a zinger for everyone. Oh my gosh. She's like the teacher that you wish you had for gym class instead of the failed. Uh, like jock from like 20 years ago we get through this basketball game sort of like a cross-section of the girls personalities Mm -hmm. through the way that they play basketball i guess valerie is pretty reserved yeah but she's very confident Mm -hmm. she's very good at basketball yeah talented but and diane friggin hates her she resents her for it So she really takes out her aggression on her. We cut to the classic locker room scene. Really tiny shower stalls. I mean, I can't imagine high school students of today doing this, being okay with anything like this. (laughs) Yeah. The director Mm -hmm. said that she just sort of did this just because she had to do it. Yeah, to, like, fulfill the Yeah, the that's why it's, it's so bare bones. It's, like, slowly up and down their bodies. Uh, it's not... I mean, if it's a male gaze, it's a very clinical gaze. Yeah. It's like a David Fincher shooting a nude scene, sort <laughs> of. Um, 
And while while they're showering, there's a lot of locker room talk about oh, yeah. yeah, which which uh type of sport player is the sexiest. The NBA. Do you watch baseball yeah. on television? <laughs> on television. No, I always go there in person <laughs> with my pennant and my corn cob hat and my big fur coat. And I say, rah, rah, rah. Trish goes to invite Valerie to her party that she's having. Mm-hmm. But then she gets interrupted. Yeah. Uh, her friends are like, oh, don't invite her. We don't like her. Uh, and what, the best reason, she drinks too much milk. Yeah. Yeah. She works at it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so good. So, like such a withering insult as and well. While they're shit talking her, Valerie overhears and she's, she's upset, understandably so, because she's new in town and or she's the new girl, and they're already she's already off to a bad start through no fault of her own. Trish decides that she's going to invite Valerie to her party, but having heard the the shit the shade that was being thrown yeah she just runs off as you do Uh, and trish sort of goes after her but valerie's just says you know it's okay like i'm i'm busy i want to go yeah trish does not feel good about this but our other three ladies eh very pleased with themselves we get our whole crew the whole ragtag team of teen victims walking out of class on their way home for the weekend yeah as our murderer uh spies on them through the rearview mirror uh, brinka stevens has forgot her textbook yeah because only one of these kids has an actual like purse or book bag everyone else is just carrying it in their arms Hey, maybe you wouldn't forget your stuff if you had a place to keep it and then forget about it. This was actually her first speaking role. Wow. Wow. Screaming role. Yeah, she has a couple (laughs) lines, hey? She definitely does. (laughs) Uh, And she, the gym teacher ominously tells her, you know, you better hurry up. They're locking up the school immediately as soon as class is done. Locking everything up. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. She gets her school books and uh, hears something creepy or suspicious, so she tries to hightail it out of there. But the gremlins or elves that take yeah. care of this school have apparently... <laughs> the doors are already locked yeah. in those mere moments, the, and she's trapped inside. The principal like flips a giant switch, and a lot of electromagnets go off yeah, one by and, one. And the chains wrap around the doors from yeah. the inside. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we love this movie. Don't get us wrong. It's just funny. I think maybe the chains on the inside are his doing to, like, trap her in there. Like, that's the one thing that he did. It could honestly be either. But I'm not sure. She decides to try another door, I guess. retracing her steps and... No it's love. It's still locked. Yeah. And from behind her emerges Mr. Thorne. A shape. 
Okay. Drill in hand, silently approaching her. And uh, he drills into her arm. Yeah, like right into her arm. And it's like he holds the drill way up above his head and comes down on her at an angle. This is honestly, I think, one of the best uh, victim chase scenes yeah. in any slasher movie. She does a pretty good job. She doesn't make any super dumb decisions. No, like anything that goes wrong is sort of more circumstance. Yeah, it's just that her blood betrays her. Yeah, it dribbles out from underneath the door while he's looking for her. Uh, and she can't wipe it up with a towel fast enough. So he just decides to drill through the door several times over and over and yeah, over and while, over and over while again. While she screams. Like at, at the top of her lungs. She did a great job. It was very unsettling. And then Russ takes off in the van. Yep. He's got new wheels. He's got the corpse of our lineswoman in the back drilled through her forehead. Not a good way to go. <laughs> Not a good way to go. Yikes. Trish is arriving home from school on a motorcycle. Yeah. At the exact same time that Valerie is arriving home just by walking. Yeah, which is quite remarkable when you think about it. Valerie seems pretty jealous as she keeps checking back and slowly walking towards her house. Yeah. And then we go back to our friend Diane from the locker room. Mm -hmm. And we see sort of uh, a POV, Michael Myers-style car following well the music is essentially just completely ripped yeah. off <laughs> all of the soundtrack for this movie was done on a casio really yeah man that's quite a talented uh casio player tickling those uh <laughs> ivories not made of ivory made of plastic anyways uh diane is getting followed and then an arm touches her shoulder and it's JK. It's her boyfriend. Yeah, a giant, a giant redheaded gentleman. Yeah, and he doesn't seem too cool. IMHO seems a little aggressive to me. For some reason, they make a point to specifically refer to him by first and last name. Yeah, John Minor. <laughs> he's one of the. He's that guy at your high school. Yeah, John Minor. <laughs> yeah. First and last name, 24-7. He tries to convince Diane to ditch her friends and come smooch with him. Yeah. And she's like, no, I'm not going to blow them off. I promised or something. Yeah, she's too good of a friend yeah. at this point, she thinks. So she's gonna have way more <clears throat> fun at the party. Oh my gosh, way more fun than this ginger boyfriend could possibly offer. Yeah, hey, give me a hand job in my shitty car. Yeah, man. Sure, why not? Yep. Then it cuts to the uh, coach Jana arriving yeah. back to her house. Yeah, and as she's pulling up in her car, she turns off like a radio broadcast about the Rest driller killer. Yeah. 
So it's sort of like, oh, she's like willfully ignoring it. Yeah, everyone's ignoring all of the signs. As she's fumbling with her key, naturally a drill emerges from the door at eye level. Yeah, her her friend has just shown up to drill her peephole. You know, as you do, <laughs> uh, her friend who uh, is wearing a popped flannel collar it's like they were like, okay, how do we convey well, that she she can? She's I think a this is probably woman. definitely an example of like the parody aspect of it being shot just straightforward, where it seems like an uncanny valley sort of. Oh, definitely interaction. That makes sense. They make a point of mentioning that uh, Miss Jana hasn't seen her cat in a few days yeah it's been missing and it's to set up a cat jump scare like one of in 10 more minutes one of like the og cat jump scares and it's pretty good because they set it up like that if they didn't set it up i would be pissed and it was just some random cat but here i was like oh her cat's missing maybe she'll find a dead cat or what have you two dead cats and she'll be like where'd this other cat come from Back at Trisha's house, the she's on the phone talking to a friend, as I guess you would do before cell phones mm-hmm. and texting. Uh, so she hears a noise. And wouldn't you know it? The it, door is open. She goes to check the door. Reasonable. Yeah. Reasonably. And like, it's unlocked ajar. Uh, and what do you do? You go to play the piano. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. It's very ominous, I guess. And then we see a shadow descending the stairs yep. as she plays. Dun, dun, dun. Very Phantom of the Opera or like, um. Obviously wearing big gloves. Nosferatu. Because he's a gardener. Yeah. It's her, it's her neighbor. Yeah, it's her. Mr. Konstadt. Mr. Constant. And it's like, whatever what his name might be. Are you doing, dude? Why would you do this? Like, when you say, like, hey. Yeah, first. he's just checking up. You know, just walking around in the dark. Uh, and her parents were super clear to her earlier. You have to lock the windows and the doors. And especially in light of the East Area rapist being caught, the Golden State Killer, uh, in the past couple of days. Like, yes, this was a exciting. genuine concern for people living in California. Like, in 1982, a, definitely. Yeah, being right? attacked. Because. So you'd hope that she would. Shit was happening. Like, I don't know. It, it would be like something that I would be legitimately scared of if I was living in California at that time. I think that's a total. I think that's an understandable fear. I didn't really. I guess I've never really thought about the fact that these movies were in a time when there were so many active serial killers. You know, that's so true. We check back in with Coach Jana. Mm-hmm. And we get the cat jump scare we were talking about earlier. Yeah, but she's sort of, I mean, she's pissed to be scared. She's relieved that her cat's back. We cut immediately to... Uh, are two boy toys of the girls. Do we even learn their names? Jeff and Neil. Okay, Jeff and Neil, as they walk past 
um, the yellow VW bug that uh, the van, the yeah. repair van. I know. So two serial killers' cars in a row. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, what's his name? The one who looked good, the handsome. Oh, guy. Bundy. Yeah, Bundy had a yellow. But I, obviously, I don't think he was. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Mr. Constat is having coffee in the kitchen, I guess, as a reward for scaring the shit out of her. Valerie jealously looks on as uh, yeah. Trish's friends arrive. Yeah, they're here for the orgy. Kim and Jackie. And guess what my older brother got us? A case of beer. And this. Maui Wowie. And like... This is 1984 weed? No, 1981. Yeah. This was shot. So compared to the weed of today, this would have been like literal garbage. (laughs) It would have been like smoking oregano. (laughs) I guess. Uh, How far we've come. (laughs) So Mr. Constat, uh, he's... He is surprisingly chill after hearing literally all of it. The orgy comments, the beer, the Maui Waui, everything. Uh, and he says something to the effect of, as long as you stay safe and don't wreck anything, I'm not going to tell your parents. Yes. Yeah. It's something like that for yeah. sure. He, so he goes from creep to being like, oh. He's just a chill guy. Yeah. Who genuinely might have their best interest in mind, you hope. And then we get the Kool-Aid commercial. Yeah. Uh, Veronica is... Veronica. Veronica. What's her name? Valerie. Valerie is making uh, a overly sugared pitcher of bright red Kool-Aid with her sister, Courtney. Uh, and for an extended amount of time as well. While holding the glass up to her face, she says, Shut up! And drink your Kool-Aid. Shut up and drink your Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> While they're drinking Kool-Aid, uh, our trio of friends uh, next door is eating chips and smoking, smoking. reefer. Yeah, the devil's lettuce. Mm-hmm. Diane surprises them. She, like an asshole, jumps up in front of the window in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And is like, Boo, after coincidentally, yeah, very at the same time that they've burned the bottom out of the coffee pot. Because they were so high that they left the <laughs> Irresponsible. coffee pot on. Yeah. We get to see Courtney insisting that she's not going to go outside on her own because that would be stupid, which I agree. Never go outside to investigate strange noises in the dark when you're new to a city in california in the 80s uh but who are we to judge most of the time these girls make smart decisions yeah yeah definitely like they do probably what they should be doing well courtney makes a good decision because she goes and looks under valerie's bed to find her uh super cute immensely erotic sylvester stallone (laughs) playgirl which, you know, every, I'm assuming, 15, 13? How old is Whatever, year old girl. Sylvester Stallone. You, you can't see it, but I'm doing that thing where you, like, kiss your three fingers when you make really good, like, <laughs> pasta or rice. 
Gross. Yeah, I think she's probably about 13. Courtney. Gross. Sylvester Stallone. No offense. Not my not my bag of sand. <laughs> uh the back at the slumber party. Mhm. Oh no. The girls are changing into their pajamas. As you do, your sporty pajamas. And Neil and Jeff are peeping in the window. Yeah. So Neil and Jeff watch as they change into variously a baseball shirt, a basketball jersey, yeah. and then like some pretty like I dream of lingerie. Yeah, lingerie. So naturally, they do what any girls wearing jerseys would do and order pizza. Yes. Well, they're they're hungry and stoned. Yeah, and they arrange. Uh, Twinkies in a bowl like it's sort of like a starburst they're all coming out of it they've got big bowls of chips and like other snacks to deal with their munchies man yeah it's a cornucopia of snacks and I am jealous because <laughs> they were all made with like better ingredients than they are today okay this was before like maladextrose oh well whatever. that sounds ominous is that true if that's not true uh yeah, write me a letter. Thanks. <laughs> I'll have to look that up later. The power goes off at Casa del Trish. Yeah, and they go out to investigate. Naturally, the fuse box is in the garage. Ooh, but our ladies, they're not super scared. I wouldn't say. They, they approach it as a team. Yeah. That's another thing I really appreciate about the movie mm-hmm. is that they group up generally together a lot, which is really awesome. Yeah. And smart. It's not something that happens in a lot of horror movies. Uh, they tease each other by doing like the Twilight theme song. Mm-hmm. And I know that that is definitely from the original script like that's something that they kept which is kind of funny in the garage uh they're being watched by some mysterious visage in the shadows and they find that the fuse the fuse hasn't uh burnt itself up it's it's not blown it's missing yeah, so so that's a real mystery because that means someone had to come and take it. Perhaps it's the shadow. Boo. Sorry. Uh, Boo. Yeah. And uh, they smash him in the face with the flashlight, yeah. which is probably the best reaction ever. And those mag light things, those hurt. It's so rude to scare people like that. I don't like it one bit. Me neither. No. I don't like scaring people, and I don't like being star- like startling scaring people. If I can scare people by convincing them that their house is haunted, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But never a jump scare. Never a jump scare. Our uh, red-headed gentleman boyfriend, John Minor, mm-hmm. pulls up to get Diane. And uh, he's trying to talk her into... Uh, hopping back in the car with him and going back to his place. Yeah, but she 
is a, a good friend. Yeah. So she knows she has to tell Trish and the rest of them that she is... She's going to go to get uh, some more beer. And yeah, well, be yeah, that's, that's her excuse. Yeah, that's her excuse. So she lets her boyfriend pull his car into the garage. But For smooching. she forgets to lock it. Dun, dun, dun. As she was asked to do because, quote, my dad has some really expensive stuff in here. <laughs> but that's still a very fair ask, IMHO. <laughs> When she gets back to the car uh, from telling her friends that she's going out to get beer, she goes to smooch the heck out of her bow. And she finds that he's dead. He has been decapitated with a drill and her head falls, his head falls off in her hands. The worst. She's not happy about it. This is the worst weekend ever. Definitely. Definitely. We get an iconic drill shot looming from behind uh, as she's uh, freaking out because her boyfriend's dead. She's fallen to the ground as the the drill slowly comes into frame from from his dick. Yeah, basically. And he lifts it again far over his head and like drills it into her stabs it stabs her with it repeatedly. Fortunately for him, mm-hmm. at the precise moment that their friend is being murdered, they're making daiquiris or yeah. mar- something, some sort of mixed blender drink. Yeah. So they can't hear her screams. Yeah. Because the blender is one of those old school blenders that drowns out all, all other sound. noise. Yeah. Particularly <sighs> murder sounds. Those must have been rough times. Mm-hmm. That's how you got to get away with it, though, I guess. Just constantly. When you're murdering someone, be making like pina coladas or something. The pizza guy finally shows up. Or does he? Yes. Well, most of him shows up. Everything except his eyes and the brain matter behind those eyes all the way to the back of his head. So when they think that the pizza guy is at the door, the two boys ask, what's the damage? Mm Mm-hmm. And the response is six so far. What's the damage? Six so far. Six even. And six people have been murdered so far. I did not catch that. And that that. doesn't make any sense in terms of a cost of a pizza. Yeah. How much does pizza cost in 1984? Listeners, please write to us. 82. 81 when this was shot. Tell us in 81, 82, (laughs) and 84. I want to know. I want graphs, charts, Excel spreadsheets. The whole nine yards while the boys are prepping to pay the pizza guy mm-hmm. our female leads are talking on the phone with coach Jana to try and settle a disagreement that they're having about the baseball scores and coach Jana gets to hear the screaming fallout of the dead pizza man falling into their house which his th- eyes are gouged yeah, out. They immediately grab him and pull him into the house so that they can and shut the door. the door. Yeah. Very smart. This is our corpse now. And oh, then Jana calls Valerie to ask Valerie to call Trish or to go over to Trish's house. Mm-hmm. But Valerie says she doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, so Miss Jana's like, Oh, it's fine, I'll go. Yeah, she's just gonna pop on over to her student's house at X o'clock. Mm-hmm. 
normal thing to do. Definitely normal thing to do and not calling the police instead. But though, I guess maybe she knows that they're honky-tonk and smoking reefer. She just knows them so well. Yeah. And she doesn't want to get them in trouble needlessly. And then they try calling the police. They yeah. finally get through to 911. She's like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank... I think she's like that. And then she's like, we need your help. He's... I don't know. This is what I've learned from horror movies. Especially if you're using a landline phone, you give your location first. Unlucky for them. Yes. Very lucky for the killer that he's able to quickly locate all of these things to manipulate them with. They are pretty smart. They arm themselves with a bunch of their kitchen knives. Oh, so many kitchen knives. It's great to see. It is. It's like... I mean realistically these kids make some pretty smart decisions in terms of and fast thinking slasher movies a couple dumb ones coming up Eh. where the boys are going to each run to a different neighbor to try to get help yes and we get to see them run the entire way (laughs) (laughs) it's that's i would say the only thing that i would have cut from this movie is the like transitional scenes where it's like oh he's going to the house well, he's coming from that like it does help explain it i guess jeff doesn't even make it through the garage yeah he's true. attacked by rust thorn and then uh neil makes it all the way to valerie's house uh, but she, unfortunate timing yeah she's listening to a horror movie herself at top volume yeah. that she can't hear him screaming outside yeah well she can kind of hear him she's she and but by the time she's just she really slow yeah <laughs> he's long gone and by long gone i mean dead and dragged away by mr thorne uh so so far we have two really good male screen kings yeah he gets super stabbed oh yeah like super duper stabs. And they scream for a while. Yeah. Which is nice to see because usually, usually you don't. It's like they say something stoic or pithy and then they're gone. <laughs> like, oh, shouldn't have had that second coffee. And then Nicolas Cage gets like dragged back into a hole. Yeah. It makes no sense. Definitely. In real life, he would be like sweaty and pale and like, <gasps> gasp. Yeah. Or what have you. Courtney is... She's extremely popular. She's constantly receiving phone calls, being on phone calls. Uh, Talking gossip about people she's kissed and how much she hated it. She hated French kissing. She has this awesome lamp beside her bed that is a full-size plastic goose illuminated from the inside. Like those bar lights it's fantastic i highly recommend this goose light russ thorn mm-hmm. is bringing all of the bodies back into the garage yeah. of trish's house and into uh the boyfriend's car trunk and he's really cramming him in there but he knows to count them and he knows one is missing oh so someone's not really dead jeff has made quite the break for Mm -hmm. it 
he's almost made it or he he does make it to the back door Mm -hmm. and then unfortunate for him the girls are listening inside yeah they're like oh don't open it it could be him yeah but then it's not it's not and he gets he gets killed brutally murdered basically the girls doing it extremely smart practice yeah they sit in a semicircle yeah with knives facing outwards sort of like charlie's angels posing and then the part that's not the circle is facing the fireplace (laughs) so like they're covered on all sides and while this is going on jackie is extremely hungry you know what i'm hungry me too what are we gonna do with him Maybe we should cover him up. He's dead, all right. No kidding. He's so cold. Is the pizza? Oh. Well, life goes on after all. And eating makes me feel dust. And I feel bad, and boy, do I feel bad. Oh. I feel better already. Really, I do. Yeah, so she uh, says, you know, life goes on after all and uh, rips the pizza out from underneath the corpse of the dead pizza and starts eating it despite the giant grease stain on the top. Yeah, she takes one bite and she feels better already. Honest. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's not good. Not good. Not a good thing to do. Eat corpse pizza. No, thank you. Don't think I'd be in the mood for food. Um, And that's all I've got to say about that. Clutching knives, they walk, like, pretty smartly, like, directly, touching back back to front. It's very strategic. Yeah, it's like a phalanx. These girls are very smart characters, I think. Uh, Holding very sharp knives as they go to investigate. What if it's Neil? We better open the door. No! murder courtney goes off to join the cool girls at the party next door and valerie sees her from uh the window on a top floor so she has to go follow her because she knows that something's afoot from coach yeah so she goes over to trish's house she knocks on the front door Mm mm-hmm and uh jackie is like we have to go warn her we can't just leave her out there but she doesn't know that she, uh, valerie has moved to the back and she gets her throat slashed yeah. by a drill yeah thorn jumps out of the bush and he is taking over valerie's doorbellery 
to <laughs> to trick them and she's she's dead which is what you get for eating forbidden pizza kim and trish run back upstairs and they barricade themselves in the bedroom yeah they put a bunch of crap in front of the door valerie's still trying to uh get anyone to answer her she spots the blood stains outside of trish's house yeah like like the the back back door door where jeff was yeah and there's a big pool of blood and courtney as well not in the pool of blood she's fine and she scares the shit out of her again yeah Uh, so they hear valerie she's finally entering murder house but at this point they think she's in league with russ thorne yeah so they don't they don't fully trust her and they also know what happened last time one of them ran downstairs to try to help her so they're trying to protect themselves first and foremost so Valerie does a walk through basically the entire house but but just the first floor and while that's going on upstairs Russ Thorne is creeping up behind Kim and Trish yeah, he's crawled in the window while they have their backs turned they don't really notice until it's too late yeah and they slowly turn around there he is and they've already barricaded themselves inside the room so now they have to take everything away from the door in order to escape they try and get out but unfortunately Kim ends up getting stabbed yeah so I guess when they shot this scene, because she gets stabbed in her, they say chest, mm-hmm. and she's definitely stabbed in her chest when we see her dead in the fridge later, uh-huh. but she's sort of stabbed in the stomach at this point. Yeah. But so I guess they had her wired for her blood and they had to do it an extra time. Okay. Because it kept coming out like down her leg ooh, instead ooh. of out of her chest. Not good. Valerie and Courtney have done their little tour of the ground floor, and Valerie's like, okay, well, let's just lock up and then we're going to leave. And while that's going on, uh, Courtney decides that she wants something from the fridge. And we get that really. Well, she's going to steal a beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's going to steal a beer. <laughs> and. Valerie's having none of it because she is way too young. Like, the girls are way too young to be drinking, let alone Courtney. And uh, so it's uh, a classic sight gag of the corpse in the refrigerator keeps lolling out every time she opens it. Yeah, like she's not sort of like PJ Souls in Halloween. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's in like the ironing board. I forgot that. But yeah. And Jamie Lee discovers everything. It's really great. And it's yeah. really funny in like a macabre way. Yeah, she said she was holding on to where the light bulb yeah. is and to it, keep herself in the fridge. And you can clearly see that in the movie. She's got her oh, arm yeah. up. <laughs> holding on for dear life. And then she flops out. Uh, just as the clock sounds quite loudly and it's like an added effect not what you want to see when you think everything's well and so naturally who should come down the stairs but mr thorne driller killer yeah they see his shadow and valerie tells courtney to run she 
deeks out to the basement. Mm-hmm. Well, Courtney goes and hides under the couch. Yeah, which is pretty savvy. It's one of those couches that has like a little uh, skirt around the whole bottom. And there's not that much room underneath it. So, I don't know. Other than uh, risking a peek at our killer, I think uh, it was a pretty good idea. He pulls the blanket off of the pizza delivery man mm-hmm. who has been laying on the floor. And he lays down in his place. Very yeah. smart move on his his part. Yeah, he, he tosses the pizza delivery guy into the basement with Valerie. Yep. Not knowing that she's there. <laughs> Uh, and this is when uh, our coach uh, enters. Trish? Diane? Anybody home? It's me, Miss Jenna. Jim? Jackie? Anybody home? It's Coach Jenna. Hey, girls, Thomas singled in the six. She comes into the house. She's looking for the girls she makes her way well i guess the door opens right into the living room but when she finally notices that oh crap there's a dead body on the floor and i think it takes her a little bit too long to notice that there is a covered corpse laying on the floor there's like a pretty big mess (laughs) but she starts to move towards it then russ thorn pops up with his drill and starts edging towards her and courtney being a, a badass yeah. bitch, she trips him. Yeah, she grabs his leg from under the couch, giving our dear coach enough time to grab a fire poker and start hitting the crap out she of him is with it. Fucking wailing on him. It's great to see. And this is one of my favorite parts in any slasher mm-hmm. movie is when Trish runs out in slow motion from the kitchen and stabs him. Yeah, because you can tell she doesn't want to do it. Yeah, but she's, she's like shaking. Michelle Michaels really sells it. Yeah, she's terrified. and But she's filled with like a, a fearsome anger. She stabs him like a bunch of times. It's really good. <laughs> Valerie's doing a bunch of uh, sight gags in the basement while she's trying to find a weapon. Yeah, it's like a precursor to uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, she's like, oh, this? Uh, this too hammer? Small. No, it's too small. Then she finally grabs like a buzzsaw yeah. and tries to run to the door. And the cord isn't long enough, so she just falls backwards. Yeah, like comically gets yanked backwards <laughs> with and, a buzzsaw. <laughs> and it takes a couple of tries, I guess, until she finally lands on Machete. Yeah. Things are not looking good for Trish at this point. Uh, Russ is looming over her. She's asking why he's doing it. Um, and he gives his explanation to why he's doing this. You're pretty. All of you are very pretty. <laughs> Please don't do this. I love you. Please. I didn't hurt you. Takes a lot of love for a person to do this. You know you want it. You love it. Yes. 
even know you. Valerie runs upstairs with the machete mm-hmm. and chases him out the back door. Yeah. Into the pool area, pool area. which is lit. Ominous. I, yeah. The pool itself is lit up, but nothing else. So uh, they sort of engage in a brief duel yep. before she cuts his dick off. Yeah, and he's like genuinely horrified. <laughs> and that is 100% confirmed. That's the metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty explicit. And she she doesn't just stop there. She keeps hacking until she... Yeah, she cuts his hand off. His left hand falls right there on the on the no running by the pool <laughs> not that there's an actual sign but that's if there was a sign that's where it would be our three survivors trish valerie and courtney mm-hmm. have made their way out onto the the pool area as mm-hmm. well so the three of them are together embracing like hugging oh gosh yeah. we we made this through we made it through this somehow like, and he pulls himself up from the pool. It is, it's like an act of will. Like he pulls himself up by his like bloody stump. And then Valerie, he goes to attack Valerie mm-hmm. and he impales himself on Valerie's machete yeah. by jumping onto her. She, she uh, rolls over and aims the machete at the exact right time. And she gets shish kebobbed on it. And it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And they all start screaming. Yeah. They all start well, screaming. One at Trish and Valerie start crying. Mm-hmm. Courtney screams. And then she's like in a state of shock. Yeah. Sort of. Which, I mean, do not blame her. I definitely would be too. And then sirens roar in the distance. And it's suddenly done. Yes. The last scene was actually filmed after the rest of the movie was finished. Oh. They added it to increase runtime and stuff. So oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's good. No, it's great. I love this movie. Yeah. I think it's probably my favorite slasher movie. It's pretty fantastic. It's it's self-aware without rubbing it in your face. It looks good. It looks really good, yeah. So, I don't know. I like it. The framing is really good because they go all in for the close-ups on people's faces instead of that halfway where you can see, like, almost to their belly button to, like, a little bit above their head, you know, back and forth. I like it even more looking at it as a satire as well. Yeah, definitely. It's very smartly written. All of the women in it take active roles in their sexuality. They They stick together. It definitely passes the Bechdel test. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, it's also like a commentary on staying together, like looking out for one another. Yeah. Which I guess is what you just said. And <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Tomato tomato, man. I don't know. I really liked it. Me too. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So. I bet you're wondering, does it Jamie Lee? Yeah. And let me tell you. I'm always wondering that. It does. And it's super fast and oh, uninteresting. No. Okay. And I'm sorry. Tell me about it. So this movie was directed by Amy Holden Jones. Mm-hmm. 
who directed 1983's Love Letters, mm. which starred Jamie Lee Curtis. She played one of the letters. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's about some like 20 something who is having an affair with her professor. Ooh. And she has a hard time with it. As you do. Yeah, and it's like a big struggle, and then she doesn't know if she'll ever find love. This is based solely on the Wikipedias and stuff that I read. Yeah, that's fine, man. I don't want to watch that movie. It sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. But if that's your favorite movie, please write us and tell us why we're wrong or why we're right. If you hate that movie, I don't care. (laughs) But I care enough to read your missives to this missive. That was our 10th episode. Our 10th episode. What what do you think that is in like anniversary gifts? Aluminum? I'm not sure. Electronics? (laughs) Who knows? It's fine. Thank you so much for listening. Thank I guess, you. I guess this is as good of a time as any to cut yeah, it off. Definitely. I think we had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys listening so much, and we want to uh, thank you, but also encourage you to do what everyone else is asking you to do and follow our various social media identities spread across various platforms. Twitter at Def First Blood. Mm-hmm. Instagram at Definitely First Blood. Mm-hmm. And you can email us at Definitely First Blood at gmail.com. Yes. Thank you for doing so. Yeah. All right. I guess that's going to be it. Yeah. We'll see you at uh, Double Ones. Yep. Episode 11. We haven't picked a movie yet. No. But we will post it on Twitter when we know. We pick it. All right. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.